What are your initial thoughts on, you know, the violent weekend we just had? Well, I mean, it, it's unacceptable. It, it, I, I get a combination of feelings about it. I mean, I, I'm angry about it because it is a small group of people, relatively speaking, in a very safe city that are, you know, challenging that uh, safe status of Toronto. I'm frustrated by it because we have been taking a number of measures across the spectrum, ranging all the way from, you know, significant increases to the police budget through to uh, successfully getting the province to help us with a special bail court for people on firearms charges through to significantly increased investment in kids and families in some of these neighborhoods that spawn uh, gang activity. So you get frustrated at the fact that that doesn't, you know, have immediate results, although I will say the number of, of, of deaths from shooting is, and, and homicides generally are down significantly this year. And uh, so I, I guess those are the two feelings you have is sort of anger and frustration, but it just doubles your determination to, to, to try to deal with it. What's alarming for a lot of people is, you know, there used to be predictable areas in the city, it's horrible to say, but where you might see some gun activity. Now it seems like there's gunplay all over the city. Well, you know, you're right about that. Not all over the city, but certainly it's in a more widespread kind of area than before. And that is a function more than anything else, I think, of two things. One, uh, the degree to which this gun violence is related to gang activity, which is more prevalent in different parts of the city than it used to be. Uh, I was hearing over the weekend that, you know, quite literally, and this is not the first time I've heard it, some of these shootings are retaliatory and they result from things that happen on social media where one gang is taunting another and uh, as opposed to days gone by where you might have gone and had a shouting match or a pushing match about it uh, that, that, that relates to the second factor which is people are carrying guns in their pockets or you know or, or on them and uh, that is completely unacceptable and I don't for a moment I know it stirs up great controversy including with 640 listeners about a gun ban and I don't hold it out to be uh, Certainly not unanimously agreed upon. I don't hold it out to be an answer uh, in and of itself to this whole thing, but I just believe it's one of many things we could be doing to try to uh, reduce the prevalence of guns, certainly stricter gun controls and certainly tougher gun sentences and tougher bail conditions for people with guns because all of those things are contributing to, I think, people on the street with guns, uh, especially those who've had a history of this, uh, who shouldn't be there, and they certainly shouldn't have the guns. So yeah, Every time this happens, we always hear, oh, but they need to bring back carding. You know, when you ask for a handgun ban and a lot of guns are coming in illegally, we know that is occurring. How do you catch people with guns then? Well, I mean, I think a lot of work needs to be done, even more work. And the federal government, I'll give them some credit, has invested some more money this year at the border at trying to intercept guns. And I will say our local Toronto Police Service has had a, a much better or a very good record this year of seizing uh, illegal guns. Uh, but the bottom line is there's still too many guns around Toronto, and they're coming from two different sources. One is guns being shipped into the country from elsewhere, and the other um, is guns that are sort of finding their way into the wrong hands that may well have been legally uh, purchased. So either which way, I think the need for tougher laws on that is is important. Um, and I think that the need to deal very toughly, if that's a word, with the people who are repeat offenders in this area is also the case. And, I, and the province, again, helped us set up this special bail court. So if you're out on bail or you're, you know, on probation or one of these kinds of things, and then you're found to be charged with a gun offense again, you just don't get out on bail. You know, you just are kept in custody until your trial uh, because we just can't afford to have these people doing the same things over and over again. But it's frustrating. 
frustrating because, you know, the police are trying hard. They're trying to gather all the intelligence they can on the gangs. And believe you me, they have meetings day after day where they share all the information they have on sort of who's likely to do what and who's fighting with who on social media and all this kind of thing. I don't want to oversimplify it at all. Uh, we have invested more in the police budget. We have invested more in the marginalized neighborhoods to try to help uh, kids stay on the right path. It's just frustrating because, um, you know, you, you see weekends like this that sort of uh, cause you to just say, well, what more can we be doing? And clearly there is more, and we're going to be, I've spoken to the chief today, we're going to be, you know, asking again uh, what more we can invest, what more we can do. Mike McCormack was on the show earlier on. He, of course, is the uh, president of the Police Association. He was uh, describing what's going on in the city, and here's how he puts it. People are walking around with firearms. They're not afraid of, of the police. They're, they're not afraid of being pulled over. They're not afraid of being stopped. And they're willing to use these firearms whenever they come into contact with the people that they want to shoot. And it is brazen. It is offensive. And we should be outraged. Would you say that that is an adequate um, representation of what's going on in the city? I mean, he obviously has a vested interest into, you know, getting more resources on the streets, as in more police hired. Well, first of all, I will say that I am outraged by this. When I said earlier on that I was both angry and frustrated, uh, that that is a, a good representation of how I feel. I'm very angry about this. But I think that the notion, for example, that you would have had a police officer in every one of the locations kind of right there on the scene at the time of the shootings that took place over the weekend is just not realistic. I think people understand that. And we did this year authorize a significant increase to the police budget. And there were people, Kelly, who disagreed with that, people who said, oh, no, no, you should be, you know, Know, sort of really you know, squeezing down their budget and causing them to do things differently and not have more police officers. And I disagreed with that. And we made the investment in hiring more police officers. Um, and I think that Mike McCormick is also right to some extent in that it seems those who would hang out with guns are just more brazen in their attitude. It goes back to that example that I cited earlier on, which is in days gone by, you might have had a shouting match with somebody where you, you know, you dissed somebody and they would then shout back at you or shove you. Now it seems when you diss somebody uh, online or otherwise, uh, people pull out a gun. And so it's why I keep coming back to the guns and to the fact that, uh, you know, there is no easy answer even vis-a-vis the guns, but there are things I think we have to do to make sure that we don't see the kind of prevalence of guns in Canadian society, where I think long ago we agreed they shouldn't be as prevalent as they are in the U.S., and so I think we have to work hard at the border, uh, sentence people tougher, uh, you know, make sure those who repeat offend don't get out on bail, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole series of measures, and then, you know, after, on top of that, making sure that you try to help kids by investing in them and families such that they don't even think about picking up a gun, going near a gun, carrying a gun, or using a gun, and I think that's a big part of what we have to do that's an investment really in the future. We're speaking with Mayor John Tory. You know, I think a lot of people are listening to what you're saying, John, and they're saying, of course, all of this makes sense. But why hasn't wasn't this implemented earlier? You've got a clip here of Mike McCormack uh, talking about that very thing. The numbers have been gutted and we're still losing numbers. So, yeah, the mayor has, uh, has done the right thing and committed resources to hiring again. But it's going to take us three to four years to backstop the gapping that they've done. And this is what they get. But why hasn't something been done three or four years ago when we, we raised this issue? And now it take, what did it take? 17 people to be shot? Was that the magic number? 
What do you say to Mike McCormick? Well, I say that we started this hiring process uh, long before this weekend. Uh, you know, we literally, I was at a graduating class of 129 new police officers. I think that was the number about a month ago uh, with Premier Ford, who helped us to pay for having those uh, police officers. Uh, and we're, on a, we're, we're hiring right now a couple of hundred more that will graduate later this year. And so that process started a long time ago. Quite frankly, I'll say to you that it is not simple uh, to hire. Uh, these police officers. It's not a matter where we just sort of, you know, open the phone lines or open up the emails and everybody signs up, and we have to make sure they're well qualified. There's a great pressure, uh, and, and quite justifiably so, to make sure they're very well trained now and dealing with all kinds of things like mental illness and, and uh, you know, diversity in Toronto and so on. So, look, um, you can always say something started too late, but we um, recognized the fact uh, in last year's budget and, and, and starting the year before that we needed to hire up and we're doing that. And so, um, you know, there's always people out there who will say it's not enough or it's not fast enough, but we are hiring. And it isn't just about, you know, Police Chief Saunders has said this before, and he's right. You, you're not going to just arrest your way out of uh, these kinds of problems. They have much more deep-rooted uh, aspects to them, such as what's going on in some of the marginalized neighborhoods, such as the justice system and the fact that you know people get off light sometimes when they do things with a gun or that they get out on bail when they shouldn't. So I think this is a complicated issue that shouldn't be you know simplified down to saying if we just had you know 200 or name a number more cops, then this stuff wouldn't happen. That's just not it's not the case. It, you know, we talk about it all the time. It is a difficult, you know, where do you where do you put the money and it, it, how do you solve this problem? You know, you can't do it in one step. But the Toronto Police Chief is pledging more resources. John, you said you speak directly with the uh, Chief of Police and you have in the past couple of days. What are these resources going to look like? Do you have any idea? Well, it, what, they, what they do uh, is they actually just simply allocate. There are some people who are, uh, you know, specifically uh, available as police officers to be assigned to areas where there are, I'll call it, hot spots. And it isn't so much that you're assigning them to places where things happened yesterday, but rather you're trying to assign them to places where you think things might be happening tomorrow. And that's where the intelligence comes in in terms of monitoring social media and using, you know, informants, frankly, and others to tell you where the sort of gang uh, conflicts are likely to come up because of things that have happened in the last number of days. And I can assure you, they are having, they have huge resources dedicated every day to monitoring social media, talking to people in neighborhoods to get information about what gang activity is going on. And it leads you to be able to perhaps anticipate some of these retaliations that happen in targeted shootings. And so when he says he's reallocating resources, he is, you know, choosing to put resources. And of course, he doesn't announce where they're going mm-hmm. because you don't want to announce to the bad guys, you know, where you're putting in increased police resources, but I can just assure you from my conversations as recently as this morning, that's what he's doing. He's would they saying, be plainclothes? Well, well, they're a combination. It'd be both, but a lot of it would be uniform. Okay. And, and uh, a lot of it, you know, what we're really trying to do as well is expand on the neighborhood police officers who are not so much people who show up when bad things happen, but are walking through the neighborhoods. And this is a program that is in quite a few neighborhoods in the city now where they walk through the neighborhoods all the time. And as they become known, and they're going to stay in those neighborhoods for four years so that everybody will know them by name and they will know everybody by name. And those people are not only likely to spot bad guys, but they're also uh, likely to get information 
information shared with them as trust is developed between them and the people that they're uh, that they're interacting with in those neighborhoods. So when when we say he's allocating resources, some of them will be plain clothes, but many will be uh, uniformed officers. But they're simply going into those areas where we anticipate where where the police anticipate trouble and trying to gather intelligence and just be a presence there to stop things from happening. But it's a big city, and uh, when you have, as you alluded earlier, people who are prepared to engage in this kind of retaliatory activity wherever they happen to run into the people they're mad at, you know, uh, it, it makes it more challenging. But but I, I think they're trying very hard, the police service, to do the job, and I think they recognize, I recognize, and quite frankly, I believe most of your listeners recognize the fact there is no magic answer to this. Mm-hmm. I don't pretend it's gun laws. Nobody else should pretend that it's more cops. Nobody else should pretend that it's all about investing in neighborhoods. It's all of those things, and it's a, just a steadfast determination combined with some public cooperation. You know, Kelly, when we talk about somebody going into a club, um, and people should be able to walk into any club in anywhere in the city or any neighborhood and be safe and not have to kind of be checking out the uh, you know surroundings. But the bottom line is, as well, the flip side of that is where that person got shot in that club, there were hundreds of people there. And they need to provide information to the police so they can track down who did this. And there were hundreds of people, and somebody saw something. And it's been very difficult, and I understand people are often fearful, but it's been very difficult to get that information sometimes to help the police to get these people off the streets. Well, I want to thank you for your time today, John. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and it's uh, never a pleasure to talk to you about this subject matter because it always, you know, it is. Uh, it means that we've got a lot of work to do in our city of Toronto, but hopefully uh, we have the right people working on, on this problem that is um, unnerving, to and say the least. Have, you know, if we don't have all the right people we need, we'll get more, but I can just say it, there's nothing that concerns me more because a safe city, which the city still is overall, a safe city is paramount to all the other things we're trying to build here, so uh, you know, we are very focused on this, uh, not just because of this weekend. We've been focused on it. I'll be raising this with the federal government again. I did over the weekend because we need their help we need the province's help. The city can't do it alone, but I think if we all work together, we can, you know, continue to make a difference on this.